If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey everyone, welcome to this completely unnecessary podcast with a new camera. Alongside Ian Ferguson, I'm Pat Country. Episode two hundred two. It's two hundred two on on Tuesday, March tenth, two thousand twenty. Mario Day. Imagine if two hundred two was on two thousand twenty, on February second. Wow, that would be something, wouldn't it? It was on two thousand twenty. I can't fucking think this morning. No, you can't. You're I'm off. Really off. Last week I was kind of too. I'm like struggling against something. Uh, it is Mario Day, Ian. But on the show, we also be talking about uh, the Nintendo PlayStation auction results and what that means. Reggie fils has just joined GameStop's board of directors. The Strong Museum and Congregate partner to preserve Flash games and Q&A. Ian, how was your, how was your weekend? It was good. I went to the uh, Wild Animal Park yesterday. That wasn't, Safari- that wasn't the weekend, but okay. Safari Park. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. It's the time between last podcast and this okay. podcast. Then I'll change the question and be like, what did you do in the last six days? Um, but yeah, that was good. Did you see one of these guys? Uh, Ahamad Dryas Baboon? No. no, I didn't, but we saw. I saw a lot of elephants. The elephants were having a lot of fun. Um, no, it never forgets. Caught a couple glimpses of the uh, of the new platypus. Is it platypi? Is there more than one? Or There's it, two, but I, we saw one. Okay. And They're adorable. Uh, They're adorable. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Played a lot of um, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon over the weekend. Uh-huh. Yeah. How was that, Ian? I'm, I'm, you know I'm a big Pokemon fan. Yeah, you're a huge Pokemon huge. fan. And definitely Gigantic. super into the very niche uh, Mystery Dungeon spin-off Absolutely. series. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, there's no reason for you to ask me how it is because you've already beaten I, it I, I, twice. I, I went back and beat the G- GB, is there a GBA version? The GBA version? There is a GBA version, yes. Okay. Um, no, it's very good. Uh, it's one of those games that I would be hard-pressed to actually recommend to anyone because it's so oddly specific. Sure, you have to like Pokemon. In like terms the, of what it genre. scratches. Yeah. yeah, you have to like Pokemon. You have to like the Mystery Dungeon series. You have to like an odd take on the Mystery Dungeon series. They don't... I don't know. It's a series I've always enjoyed, though, and I've already got something like 12 hours in it because it's very easy to just sit down and take a bunch of quests and go do those quests. There's not a lot of filler in these games. It's all, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go do it. Watch your stats rise up. Watch things happen, and you rejoice, and you go, yay, I've accomplished something, and then you go and you do more of it. So it's just a very... Do you fight, like, skeletons and, like, what do you... What, no, you fight, you fight other Pokemon oh. that have gone crazy because of earthquakes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it would be maybe funny if you, like, dropped them into Dragon Warrior Land and you fought slimes and stuff. That would know. be very fun. I would like that. Do a crossover there. All right. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed playing that game, too, Ian. Mm-hmm. That's Absolute, great. Absolutely. You loved it. Yeah. Um, it's Mario Day, 
and I, I got up and I was like, well, why is it Mario Day? And he's like, well, it's M-A-R then 10, March 10th for Mario. I'm like, we are, we're just dumb people out there. We're just dumb. You know, we're just dumb. People, people, you know, saw uh, a milk carton and they were like, oh, it looks like it says Mario. They're like, it's Mario Day. Uh, but Nintendo's jumping in the action and they're doing a little sale. For next like three, four days, five days. Oh, what are you getting? Five dollars off sixty dollar games? You're getting twenty dollars off sixty dollar games. People always complain Nintendo doesn't do sales. Oh, well, they've they've started doing more sales the past few years on the club uh, Nintendo and all that stuff now and then. But it's uh, forty bucks for Super Mario Maker two, forty for Mario Super Mario Party, uh, twenty bucks off Mario and Sonic are canceled at the Olympics 2020. No, they're they're gonna still do the Olympics. And then Yoshi's Crafted World is also forty bucks there. So that, that's that's those are decent deals, right? Yeah, you think you think that the, the Olympics are, the Olympics are they're far gonna, enough away? They're going to do. No, let's no not reason. let's not let's not say that we're, we'll get demonetized. We'll just say the public health crisis. The public health crisis. Yes. 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 We'll say that because a twenty-five minute intro last week gets demonetized by YouTube because we talk about something for like thirty-seven seconds. It's ridiculous. It's it's insane. Um, yeah. Anyway, so um, speaking of video game violence, uh, good segue, Pat. The, uh, the the APA reaffirmed no causal link between video games and violence, uh, something we talk about every now and then on on the show here. But um, the American Psychological Association came out and said uh, they caution against oversimplification of complex issues, and no one in the government ever does that. No, no, no senators or presidents, no one ever does that. They said this is basically a little press release. Um, there is insufficient scientific evidence to support a causal link between violent video games and violent behavior, according to an updated resolution adopted by the American Psychological Association. Okay, this is all the all the, the you know you, you got all these uh, psychologists walking into a room with their lab coats on and the glasses and like we must settle this once and for all. I don't know what kind of accent that is. <laughs> Evil a German, yeah, German evil Freudian scientist. That was fucking but, something special. But, but they decided that they, they, the governing council of representatives seated a task force to review its 2015 August resolution in light of many occasions in which members of the media or policymakers have cited that resolution as evidence that violent video games are the cause of violent behavior, including mass shootings. Violence is a complex social problem that likely stems from many factors that warrant attention. From researchers, policymakers, and the public, said APA President Sandra L. Schulman, PhD. Attributing violence to video gaming is not scientifically sound and draws attention away from other factors, such as history of violence, which we know from the research is a major predictor of future violence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If your kid's slapping around other kids when you're three or fortunately torturing insects or animals, you're probably going to be violent when you grow up and have problems. Yes. I mean, that's where it comes from. You know, whether or not you play Doom isn't going to. You know, tip will be the tipping point. You're going to be more drawn to Doom, probably, but that's not going to cause you to go out and, and yeah, hurt that's, people, right? That's this not is, going is, to be. This is silliness. And what what gets me is that the people that rail about this usually are the people who have never played a video game in their goddamn life. Oh, probably not. You know, not to use the the OK Boomer thing, but boomers by and large don't have don't play video games the same extent of, of uh, next generations. I still go out. And I talk to older people uh, at, at occasion, go to events, and when I talk to them about video games, to them it's, it's almost like I'm talking about I visited a foreign country they never heard of. What you you play? You can play video games and make a some sort of living off of it, and like yeah, or they say, oh yeah, video games. I hear they're popular. They talk about it like it's like so, 
so removed from reality. Uh, seriously, have you seen this before? Yes, yes. Like, like I'm going to say everyone like 53 and up, like that sort of age range, 55 and up, where to them it's so divorced from their reality where they, they can't picture playing a game like Doom because they're like, oh, wow, you're shooting demons. You must be something wrong with you. <laughs> can't listen to that heavy metal uh, music with the satanic lyrics, you know. Can't listen to that hip hop and and getting your AK. You know, that, that's what it You know, so that this is a reality that we are obviously dealing with still. <laughs> and, and your it, AK. <laughs> I've never heard an old person say that. No, neither. Have My I. grandfather never said that. My grandfather was so old, you know. From How the, old was he? Well, he was born nineteen seventeen. Uh, it was a joke. So, so yes, <laughs> is it greatest generation? There's still some of them around. Um, yeah, you're still around. And um, I don't, he he probably never played a video game in his life. He probably went down to like the the boardwalk and played like the light gun games, like in you know like in the sixties or fifties. Mm-hmm. Those were always around there. Or but I I can't picture my grandfather ever even playing Pong. I'm trying to think if he played when Pong came out was that seventy two ish, uh, seventy three seventy four. He would have been holy shit. He would have been uh, almost sixty years old. Holy shit when Pong came out. Wow. Yeah, because it would have been yeah, it would have been like fifty seven, sixty. Yeah, he probably never, he probably never played pong. My father did. My father, you know, you know that that was the weird. My parents' generation, the boomer generation, were the ones that transitioned into you know maybe they played pinball. And then you had some arcade games come out in the seventies. They had like you know like this, you know like like the solid state games or the games that weren't really video games, right? That you, that you still find around like you, like you're on like, like a the air convey- raids or whatever. You're yeah. on a conveyor belt track and you're driving on the course, but it's not really technically a video game. Um, but they were aged out by the early eighties because by then the baby boomers were like in their mid thirties already. Right, they weren't kids growing up with video games, so they sort of missed it. You know, we we were the first one. Gen X, and then later were the first ones really to get in on the action. But my dad still, you know, still had the uh, had the uh, Coleco Telstar Ranger system and thought it was cool because he was just young enough. Still, it's weird when you're when you're like a little four year old. You never picture your parents ever being young. No, you don't. But when I was four and playing that Coleco Telstar Ranger, my father would have been let's see, Pat Math. He would have been like in his mid thirties. So, yeah. He was still young. He was younger than what I am now. Wow, this is, I'm putting it into weird perspective, am I? <laughs> yes. So anyway, that means I should have had a kid by now. Where's my life going? Anyway, I get weird comments online on sometimes. Like, you should have a kid and family by now. And it's like, what? You gonna you gonna pay for the college for me too? You, you, you know, drop that drop that fund that that uh, kid fund. Then uh, not then I'll have a kid tomorrow. I'll go out and adopt someone. <laughs> give me give me quarter quarter million dollars so I can raise them till they're twenty. There you go. Anyway, sorry, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so uh, APA reaffirms position on violent video games and violent behavior. So anyway, anything, anything, anything else? You haven't had anything, anything to add, Ian? <laughs> no, I'm I mean out of my fucking mind. This podcast. I, I, I don't really have anything else to to, to, to offer. Uh, I mean, we've talked about this before. Holy we know shit! It. It's interesting to see. I guess the constant. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Reaffirmation. Well, we have to because the people in power are Our idiots. T- yes, and they keep saying, and they spout it. things on TV, and there could be people in charge of schools that are the same thing. Um, Sorry, AP- I have a toothache today. It's suddenly I know, driving I, I, me nuts. I don't want to point out the fact that your fingers constantly shoved into your <sighs> mouth, but it is. It's driving me fucking nuts. You usually get toothaches. Is it sensitive? 
Not often. You just br- this morning. You brush your teeth? Yeah. You got a toothache? I'm out of my mind. I'm like weird like this morning. Um, you got the shooting pain. APA has worked for years to study the effects of video games and other media on children while encouraging the industry to design video games with adequate parent rental controls. That's responsible. Parent rental controls. Parent rental controls. It is also pushed to refine the video game rating system to reflect the levels and characteristics of violence in these games. So there you go. APA will continue to work closely with school officials and community leaders to raise awareness about the issue. They're going to do a fun drive. I don't know. A fun drive? (laughs) (laughs) They're going to have a booth at the field day. They're going to have a, hey, everyone, video games are causing violence. Hey, Timmy, come up and play. Play shoot the guy in the nutsack game. Shoot the on guy mobile. in the balls. Watch. <laughs> well, there, well, there was that. Watch him burst. <laughs> I, I there was that. Like ripe melons. There was that sniper. Remember yeah, that sniper game? That's so what you, I'm thinking. You can shoot yeah. the guy in the balls. Yeah, you can shoot the guy in the balls and, and watch him just rupture. <laughs> it literally shows. Isn't it a little far? Because that's not even realistic anymore. It's like I mean, if you shoot someone, it's not going to like go. Let's pause time and see, like in 3D um, yeah, vectorscope graphics. Either. Yeah, but you know what I mean, though? It's like, that's a little far oh, to me. I'm, now I'm Old Man Pat, right? Moving I'm, on. I'm, I'm OMP. Old Man Pat. You down with OMP? I'm done. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> For the ladies, OMP means something different. <laughs> what the hell's happening with my life? All right, Ian. Patrick. Here's our big one. <laughs> so... By Sorry, the way, I'm... we're in the po- we're in the podcast portion oh. of the show now. Yes, I don't know you have to say it the past month. The podcast portion of the podcast. So Nintendo PlayStation prototype, yes, Sony developed it, but we we're gonna say Nintendo PlayStation until everyone else kills us here. Um, it's fine. We're I mean it's fine. It's fine, people. It's okay. So the the auction was announced a little like in January it was announced. Then it went up for internet bidding. We talked about this before. It went up to like 360000 Then Palmer Lucky came out. Within a few days, and Palmer Lucky came out and said, Hey, I'm the one. I'm the high bidder because I might be doing some game preservation thing and I preserve better than anyone's preserved before. I don't know what the hell that means. Maybe it's going to come out with something. Either way, bids were then retracted uh, within a few days after we talked about it. What are you talking about? I am. He was like, I'm the man, Palmer Lucky. So then, ooh, the, the, ooh, I got a big dick. I'm gonna swing it around and talk about all this money I'm, I'm dumping I'm on shit. Virtually swing my reality dick around. So on March 6th, Ian was the live portion of Heritage auctions that you know that they, they do internet bids, but then you could it acts like a real Sotheby's or Christie's where you have a guy with a with a with a little mallet, what have you, and he reads a lot, and then he he, he takes people on the phone. Uh, there's people on the phones relaying bids from real people out there. Yeah, like a real auction house, and and, and operators that, are standing by, literally. Like you have your own private person, like you're watching like an art, um, fucking auction. But they were they started with the video game auctions, and then they went to um, you know, I think comic art was headed. So this was it was like a whole weekend event for Heritage auctions. This was the first time I remember them doing a live one, and Heritage has only been doing this now for about a year. These video game auctions. This is the first time I remember them going to a live one. But I guess when you have a one-of-a-kind Nintendo PlayStation, that's the time to do it. Oh, and it's worth millions! It was going to go up so fast. This they they had to they had to do this one live because it was going to be the big time. It was going to be the big stuff. They had turned out a one point two million offer. They were going to get that big money. They were going to get that three million dollars. 
And then they got fucking $300,000 in what was the biggest wet shit of a live auction I have ever personally witnessed. I was watching. Were you watching on Friday morning? Yeah. No, I felt it deep in my fucking balls. <laughs> I'm trying not, not to do too much schadenfreude today. No, I, I don't which, care. Which means reveling in, in, the, in the misfortune of others, if you know German there so this is what happened on so they had about uh f- five dozen four dozen about 60 items uh s- they started with sealed nes games which we'll get into afterwards with kind of what, then there was like some some sealed Genesis super ones but then the last one before they moved on from video games for the day was the nintendo playstation at that point in time the retractions there hadn't been a new bid in forever brought it down to two hundred eighty thousand. And so um, I have his business card. I found it the other day of the guy doing the auction because he's a guy I talked to at Comic-Con last year. was a nice fellow. Nintendo PlayStation is up for bid. And it, it got a one bid within about 20 seconds of them talking about it. And then after that was the sort of just the death knell of the moment where it was like, all right, 300,000. 300,000, do I, do I hear 320, you know, 320 for, which would be the next bid, do I he hear He looked like he wanted to say, what the fuck? I hear 320, 320, 320, and they don't, they don't say going once, going twice, they say, what do they say, what did they, what was the term? I can't he, remember. He was like, oh, fair warning, fair, what was like, fair warning, like saying that it's going to be closing, Yeah. and then it was like a minute, I was watching it, a time, it was like over a minute 15 of no bids. And then that's it. Hammer down. 300000 which isn't nothing, Ian. No, it's not. But this, As a matter of fact, it's almost $1.2 million. Well, here's the thing, Ian. There was, there was a whirlwind uh, you know, tour of this item um, by Terry and Dan, who we've met before. Nice fellows. Uh, they toured it around. But that's not what bothered me about this story. What bothered me were the articles written in the lead-up up to this auction to puff this piece up. Yeah. That's what annoyed me. It annoyed me that things were printed um w- without without checking double checking where it's like, yeah, I you know, I have a, a, an outstanding offer of 1.2 million. This thing could be worth people are postulating this could be worth millions of dollars. There's going to be lots of bids. This is the things being written and talked about um about this. So we're going to start start from what was reported in these articles by, by the seller that there was an offer for one point two million dollars that was turned down in order to do this auction. Um, obviously, if that's true, and I'll, and I'll tell you in a second what the what the more factual part of that is because I have the inside skinny. Um, obviously, that was a huge mistake uh, to turn it down. We we spoke on the show before the auction that Ian, what did I say, Ian? Take the money. Yeah, I said take the money. Yep. There's no guarantee when any of these weird items come to market that they will go for any amount of money you postulate because there's no track record of anything like this going for that amount of money. There's none. Well, there's none. And uh, as I mean, and this should be very, very obvious to people. And I don't know why it isn't, but Chris Kohler put it out there uh, afterwards, and I think it was a, I think it was Chris uh, made a good point. Um, if you want to sell something for 1.2 million, you need one person to offer you 1.2 million. If you want to do it at auction, you need multiple. multiple. You need at least two. You need multiple people yes. who actually think it's going to be worth that to drive it up to that level. Yes. Otherwise, the person who offered you 1.2 million is going to get it for slightly more expensive than the person who thinks it's worth. Well, and it's not even the guy who won it. But, yes, but it, which is 
funny to me. It's funny. Yes. But, uh, <clears throat> um, oh, yeah, 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 I lost my train of thought. Oh, but yeah, you, you, I mean, it, it could have been a heat of the moment offer. Lots of things could change that. A 1.2 million offer is not going to stand forever. No. Um, so Pat, so Pat um, has eyes and ears when it comes to collectibles and things like that when it comes to this. So Pat put on his Herm Burford out-of-control news hat here. Shout out to like the five people who got that reference. And um, I inquired about the offer because it was revealed um, in the uh, – where's, where's the, uh, the article that Chris put out here? I'm going to bring it up right now. Uh, Nintendo, PlayStation, that the offer was – there was a real offer for seven figures. Yeah, I learned. However, Ian, it was not 1.2 million. It was not not a small amount. It was a million dollars. Sure, that was a real, real offer that was on the table. And from from my source tells me that the seller said implied that it would take a few million dollars to, to get it done. Um, I'm having a tough time finding it now, but there was a quote out there, and this does. This, this bothers me because it shows how dollar signs get in people's eyes. Um, the, the quote was after uh, splitting it 50, 50 after after being taxed, after splitting the remainder 50-50 with my son and paying off all my debts, I'd be left with almost nothing. Oh, he, that's in this article here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that's a horrible fucking quote. Because being debt free and having a little bit of something and making money with your son is 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 worthless. What do you, I mean? Why do you think you're going to get three million out of this? I don't know. It, I, it's insane. It, it's it's. I think when you look at it with other collectibles, like you look at Action Comics, there are you know, and and in Detective Comics, there are million dollar comics. There's multiple ones now, um, and there are you know baseball cards worth millions and I th- I think coins. But in those collectible markets, it took. Decades to to build up to those points. Right. It took decades of time and serious money uh, to get like the Onus Wagner card up to that amount, and that was celebrities. And I think I thought before like Gretzky had one or bought one. I think and then uh, McFarlane. You had millionaires that that grew up with collecting cards. Sure. That then want to get in it. Uh, when you have a one of a kind item that's so weird and it's a prototype, and that's why I was saying in the past the podcast that be careful pricing prototypes out. Because it, they're, they don't have as wide as an appeal as you would think. So even something as cool as a one-of-a-kind that we know of hardware prototype, it, it could be maybe some people would be like, yeah, I'd buy that for like ten, twenty thousand. Like, Ian, if you said, gun to my head tomorrow, would you spend 30000 on that? I said, yeah, maybe I'll spend 30000 on that sure. to have that. Am I spending 300000 No. No. Yeah. And there's probably a lot of people that, that probably thought the same thing when they saw that here. So, again, there was a, a real million-dollar offer on the table that was turned down here. So, it went, another thing I'm going to say for these articles is saying it went for three sixty. No, it went for three hundred thousand. The sixty thousand on top goes to heritage auctions. Yeah, it cannot be counted. That's not counted as a value. If if Ian brought someone to me to buy, uh, say Snatcher uh, on Sega CD, um, if the buyer of my Snatcher that doesn't sound too good, if the buyer buys my Snatcher and then gives Ian fifty bucks as a finder's fee, I don't get that fifty dollars. Ian did. So that's right. not what the Snatcher sold for. The Snatcher still sold for what it sold for. So this is still the, the most expensive dollar item amount video games uh, history that we know of. Uh, but let's keep it in perspective here. Uh, the one thing that bothered me at the time, and I remember I tweeted it out, and I even got a response from Kelsey who gave um, gave Terry the benefit of the doubt. 
she, uh, she gave him the benefit of the doubt. I knew a little bit more at the time, and it annoyed me. And the court in the, the, the Kotaku article said, I can't keep losing money. I put a lot of work into this by traveling with it, and we have made nothing on it. Every trip that we have taken with it has cost us money out of pocket. And that's a, that's a bizarre quote because I know for a fact, I know several people that run conventions. When they had Terry out to these conventions, travel's covered. Costs are covered. There might be even potential, as I know, you know, food stipends put in uh, in place. So, first of all, no one's forcing you to travel it around. It's cool that you get to travel around, but no one's forcing you to. But I'm not sure why you would, would bend the truth in a statement like this saying you're losing money when no one's forcing you to market. You could sell it any time you want. Right. You could do, you could do this any other way. And, and in fact, I, with the internet, I don't actually believe there was any real reason that this thing needed to be toured around to puff up value. It was going to be well, worth something. Basically, let me, let me put it to you this way. It probably would have sold for the same amount. Absolutely. If it um, had not been toured around. Because the buyers, most of the people coming to these conventions can't afford this anyway. And the people that are, are invested in this know about it before it's, it's hitting these local conventions. Right. And if they're really interested, they can find a way to come. They'll find it. They'll, they'll, find, they'll put an they'll, offer in. They'll, they'll find yeah. a way to come see you. They'll find a way to check it out. Yeah. Um, I, 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 and it, yeah, I need to say it too because that, that also rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and I know – sorry to cut you off. And I know from speaking to one person that ran a convention that he said there are multiple convention runners that saw that quote and they, they, they felt slighted by that comment because well, it misrepresented the truth to them. It does. And I, 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 that's what I was going to say. Um. I understand the, the, the basic sentiment. If you're not charging an appearance fee, sure, you could – you have to put some of your own money into conventions when you go. Your travel is going to be covered. Your room is going to be covered. But you may be buying meals. You know, like I said, I knew that there was some. Or no, stipends. I know, but I'm not. I'm so. not even trying to give them the benefit of the doubt here. Just, I'm, you, you, you're going to put in money for meals. Uh, you're going to miss days of work. You're going to miss other sure. opportunities. Sure, I understand it because I do. Even if I'm being offered to go to a convention, I sometimes have to weigh it based on the time of the year and the amount of hours I'm going to lose. Yeah, I understand. You can feel like you're losing money, but to say that is going to. To say that is a slap in the face of the people who are giving you a platform to try to show off market what you and have. promote your market. product and, to make, and, to make, and, to make millions. And it's been known early since early on that this was going to be sold at some point. Yes, yes. So, so that I would say that that's it's it's kind of rude at best to say it's that. Extremely rude. That's that bothered me. I tweeted. I don't really yeah. tweet about things that bother me. I said, why would you say that? Like yeah. what, even if that was true, even if like say say like okay, let's just say over like the three four years of touring it, maybe I wasn't compensated for some of my meals and some of my lifts, and maybe I'm out of pocket. Like we'll say like a thousand dollars over a few yeah. years. If I'm looking to make millions on so that, that, that's nothing right. in it's the grand a, scheme. It's of a very woe is me yes. sort of statement, and I I don't get it whatsoever. They they held up their end of the bargain to make this as cheap for you as possible. What I would love to have seen in that article, Ian was a comment directly after from a couple of, of uh, people that run these conventions being like, oh, no, we covered everything. So yeah. I don't know what he's talking about. But then again, that would have ruined the, maybe maybe ruined the angle of the story. Maybe maybe he would have got pissed by that. Um, what, what I see this happening, I think what happened was this. In the past year, you have um, – and by the way, I, I, I talked about the story before where, where Terry said to me in an airport, like, you know, I got someone who made me a huge offer. I think they say like it was in like Dubai or Qatar, I forget, somewhere in the Middle East at the airport. When he had it in the case, and, and, he, and I was like, "Okay," it's like, 
you should. I, I don't think I said you should take. I, I probably said him you should take it at the time. I forget, but it was. It was. It, I don't think he, when he told me what he was offered, it wasn't a million, but it was. It was high, high six figures. When like people high. see something like that in person, the excitement of it can take over. Yes. And if they're willing to offer that, you want to, you want to get it off the uh, into my closet right now. You want it? No, no opportunity. Give it. You're going to pay the premium. You need to realize that most people, when given a moment to sit back and reflect on something like that, are going to go, "Who? What was I thinking? What was I? Th- I don't oh, need to nuts. do that." Especially because there is no precedent for what this is, and this is the big thing. There is no precedent for what something like this would go for. You're offering. A million dollars for something that has no known value to it. Value. Now that this one has sold, if another one pops up, you can say, "Well, I I want to make sure this is mine. I want to offer a million. But you, you know, you could offer something like four hundred thousand. Basically, these people are going to sit back and realize I have no idea if what I just offered is if this is what this is actually worth. Sure. And they're going to think on it, and they're probably going to be like, you know what? I don't need to spend that money on this. Or, or or their passion has passed for what they wanted to do with it. Yeah. I was like, nah, I don't have the ideas. That, you need no. to... Str- wait, wait, or comes- or, or uh, times change. I mean, the, 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 the Dow and the stock market has crashed the past couple of weeks with the, with the health crisis uh, there. And maybe maybe you looked at your portfolio and said, yeah, I want to stay more liquid. I don't th- want to throw out all this cash right now. Right. There's a lot of factors that, that go into people buying these things or not buying these things. Yeah. Maybe they had the money last year, Ian. Maybe now they don't. Either way... Like I said, when you have that money on the table, you take it. Uh, especially, well, I'm not saying you, you should go and hide everything from Uncle Sam, but you, you at least have a shot when it's like a private deal. This is not. This, this they're going to send you a 1099 heritage, and they're also going to send it to the IRS. So I did a little Pat math. I like talking about financial stuff. So $300,000, Ian. Boy, I love Pat math. Got a, whole, got a drawing of it behind uh-huh. If there, people have told me, that Heritage not only takes their premium from people uh, on top, 20%, which is insane, on top. Sometimes they take from the seller as well, their cut, that they take 5%, which is nuts. Really? Let's assume, if I was selling this, I would negotiate to them, you're not taking one cent from what I got. Let's assume $300,000 goes to, to Terry. So $300,000 um, could be, he might get all that money, it's called a, it's a long term capital gains, Ian, which is an investment or something you've bought, you've held it for more than a year versus short terms. The rules are different. Different. So it's based upon what's called your ordinary income, or I guess if you're you know salaried employee or you make normally. So if you are in the lower tax bracket, which I believe adjusted for last year is around thirty eight thousand dollars, if you make less than that, you're going to keep all the three hundred thousand dollars. You're going to keep all of it before. You get into state taxes, and then maybe local taxes on top of that. Definitely state taxes for income. You're going to lose some of that. That's the best case scenario. Maybe he ends up paying some state taxes, gets it back. Maybe he gets like 275 before he splits or something like that. But if you make above that bracket, you're going to be taxed federally 15% of that. Right. Right. So, Pat Math, do I have to do my head? What is what is fifteen percent? Eighty five percent of of three hundred. What is that? Two sixty, two hundred sixty thousand dollars. Three hundred times point eight five, two fifty five, two hundred fifty five thousand. After forty five thousand goes to the good old Uncle Sam, and then you might have state taxes. So maybe it goes down to like I don't know, like two two thirty ish, 
something like that. That's that's what you're looking at potentially in a situation like this. Not to do someone else's taxes. I'm just letting people know that you do pay taxes on things like this. Sure. It's not free, especially if, when they're reporting everything to the IRS heritage because it has to come off their books there. So so a million versus you know 300 at most here. That, that's what you're looking at here. But again, and, and someone asked me on Twitter, well, you know, the person buying it, uh, for them, what does it mean for the future? Um, well, we'll talk about who bought it in a second. But the weird thing about items like this is that you have no idea what this is going to sell for next time. No. It could sell for more or a lot less. We have no clue. When it's a one-of-a-kind item that's so weird. Plus, to me, it was artificially pumped up anyway. Uh, uh, who knows? The weird thing about this is that uh, someone someone mentioned maybe, and I and I talked about it at the time when it first came out. This is before all the fervor. I said you want to sell this as soon as possible when when it's hot, uh, to get as much uh, money as you can. <clears throat> that's that's what my thoughts were. But I didn't think I, I go on record. I didn't think it hit six figures back then, like four or five years ago. I was like, oh, maybe people sold about like thirty, forty thousand. I was like, different time, obviously, before all the the WADA craze that's that's happened, and heritage craze the past year. Uh, obviously, I was I was a little naive to everything, but I do still think that if if you had sold it when it was still like mystical versus Ben Heck breaking it down and, and fixing it up and then trying to do, remember the Kickstarter they tried to do for the book and all these other things. Did that happen? The book, well, the Kickstarter happened. We talked about the Kickstarter, but yeah. the book didn't happen. They, didn't, they yeah. didn't hit it. Okay. Um, but then touring it around. I mean, not, not to, I don't want to slam how this was treated, this item, but I was shocked at some conventions to see it literally out in the open on table, like on a, on a regular table. Sure. And then people were just allowed to have controllers and play it with a TV right there. They could literally, Ian, yank the fucking controllers and bring it to the floor, like, without that much effort, if sure. they wanted to. Um, you know, there's a picture online of someone having a drink se- seated right next to what you think is a million-dollar item. So, thankfully, nothing really bad happened. No maniac tipped over a table or by accident. No one dropped the fucking thing and cracked it. Thankfully, it survived all these trips. Like, thankfully. Um, but, it's, again, it's, it's a weird thing. When you see it out everywhere, it, it, the level of, of mystery and esteem to me drops considerably. Well, I think it's that, but it's just excitement levels tend to die over time. And with this being a prototype thing that never came out, despite being a, a, a you know an interesting piece of video game history, there's no real nostalgia for it. There's no, no. warm feelings about it. There's no, no fuzzies. No, no one had a Nintendo PlayStation growing up. <laughs> Uh, my, my, my uncle had one, Ian. What are you talking about? And, you know, it's just, it, it it's, I, I don't know how to exactly say what I'm trying to say here. But yeah, it's hard to build up feelings. So much of this video game collecting stuff is is based on nostalgia and warm feelings and remembering, remembering and stuff sure. like that. To have a one-of-a-kind item come out that has nothing really attached to it other than it has, you know, a, has a what if historical value, right? And you know enough enough actual information about it at this point to fill a few pages. Yeah. It, it, it's it's hard to feel any real attachment towards this. And the longer it's out there, and the longer people see it, I I honestly could see if if this goes away for a while, wow. I could I could see the value of this, or at least the excitement of it. Uh, declining. I think for most video game players, collectors, people who are in the scene, the excitement was actually just seeing that it existed. Yes. They're, 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 because some people either had heard about it or forgot, or a lot of people didn't know about it. The story. Right. Um, Chris Kohler did a great article tracing the history, which is um, 
online. It's also in a certain Super Nintendo guidebook that breaks down the relationship between Nintendo and Sony, the development, how it all ended, and things like that. So at this point, we know the story. Yeah. Now, now this is just verified, like physically, that this was you know a, a period in time, a moment in time, where the video game industry shifted mm-hmm. from a potential like like it's like Back to the Future, alternate eighty five versus you know you know uh, the eighty five goes back and Biff's running you know Hill Valley, you know the, the time that it shifted, it splintered off the time, you know the time frame there. So who got this, Ian? Uh, this was video game collector Greg McLemore, who founded Pets.com and Toys.com during the dot-com boom. Damn it, Ian. I was born five years too late. I would have been a dot-com uh, you know, millionaire. Damn it. Anyway, these, these guys are great. Um, so these Matt, guys are great? Well, I mean, like they, they made so much money off of like a lot of these guys had these websites and, and did stock offerings based on fucking nothing, and everyone bought their stocks, and they, they were millionaires. That's what happened with it. There was remember the pets.com Super Bowl commercials? Uh, yeah. Remember watching like what the why is how is your pets how is your speaking of the good thing that wasn't PlayStation? PlayStation. What, like, why is there a pets.com commercial? These companies aren't making any money. And uh, how is this possible? Because idiots thought that they could they're the new best thing. Well, it was the Bitcoin of their early two thousands. That's how how dot com tech stocks were. Anyway. So um it's the single most expensive thing I've ever bought outside of a house, Macklemore told CNN Business in an email. I believe I got a great deal. To me, it was worth it, especially when combined with the rest of my collection, the whole of which tells a story I want to save for society. Macklemore's collection includes coin-operated arcade games like Atari's Pong, which is the first commercially successful uh, video game. I guess if you don't count the Odyssey, I guess. Uh, Nintendo PlayStation is, is blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so, he, so this guy's a collector. There you go. I did see also he wants to, uh, let's see, he wants to uh, p- perhaps tour it around, I think I saw. Oh, McElmore said the console will show up in various ex- exhibitions in the near future. He's already working with the USC Pacific Asia Museum in California. Okay. On an interactive gaming, on an interactive gaming for the spring and summer of 2021. Okay, that's grammar- grammatically incorrect. Which could feature Nintendo PlayStation. So it'll show up here and there. So that's good. So it's going to be like a muse- like museum exhibits torn around i guess still so you know even the worst case scenario that everyone was afraid of doesn't appear to be doesn't appear to be that said it's not going to go sit in some closet forever eventually he'll consider opening a permanent museum after seeing how things go with the exhibits he has planned if that works fantastic if not i've already identified other institutions that i think could be a good adoptive parent so this is the best case scenario this is really not a bad outcome to it this is this is great yeah it's fantastic it's gonna it's it's still gonna be in the public public eye and still going to um you know, it's not going to be locked away in some some guy's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Basement uh, forever here. Um, real quick, Ian, do you want to go? Let's, let's, let's go over some of the other results here. It's hard to bring it up on Heritage. It's so hard. I got some of the other big-time results. You ready? Yep. Some of them. Uh, we'll just do the top, like, 10 or 15 here because some of these are nuts. Um, Steam event sealed $66,000. I wonder if the person bidding on that knows that there are at minimal 20 other sealed copies that exist that we know of. The 18 that, that either Tim went through, to, well, 12, 12 Tim uh, sold or gave away, he still has six, but there's two or three others, this might be one of them. There's about 20 of these sealed that we know of. What did it go for? $66,000. I think the previous one went between 30 and 40 for a sealed one, I think. Hmm. A sealed Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, not even the first print, Rev A. Forty-five thousand six hundred dollars. That's wild. 
Super Mario Brothers, Oval, SOQTM, whatever, late production, uh, WADA 9.8 sealed. So that so by that point, they were actually sealed. $20,400. I was at conventions three, four years ago and saw those selling for like three, four hundred dollars a price that no one was buying them. <clears throat> Again, uh, great for the people making the money, not good for the people buying them. I don't think they have any idea they know how, how scarce or available these things actually are. Yeah, or how fragile that, I would, that price point could I would, be. I would see a cellophane seal suit Marbles. Again, I'm not kidding. I saw it for three, four hundred dollars at, at conventions. More than one in a year. I go and see. Oh, and I thought, okay, that's a cool thing to have. Do I want to get? It? I was like, no. Maybe I should have got any. I would, I'd be twenty thousand richer. Yeah, uh, eighteen thousand for a sealed little Samson. Uh, a sealed uh, or hang tab mid production. Uh, that's sealed cellophane. A uh, Don Kong three sixteen thousand two hundred. Your favorite Clue Clue Land mid production sealed fifteen point six k. Gumshoe, Ian, you love Clue Clue Land. Do you think a sealed one? constitutes a 15.6k i mean it's no no it's not my market i have nothing to say here but no i can't imagine that it would at least it shouldn't have not you know but i mean that's not a memorable i know you love it but it's not a game in the you can tell the history of the story of your games without clue clue yeah pretty much the point yeah you can and gumshoe for fifteen thousand. you can tell you could you can bypass gumshoe as quickly as you want to even though it's a quirky little game that we like playing (laughs) on the nes marathon uh the the uh, uh, a family fun fitness pad with a sealed uh, first edition Athletic World, which is to me a, the toughest game to find in the box, which I own somewhere up there. I went for twelve thousand six hundred dollars. Holy shit! A volleyball twelve. A Chrono Trigger seal went for eleven point four. What's funny is that that's brought up in the not for resale video game store documentary. Uh, Joe Santulli in the basement, remember he has one. He goes, oh, this this goes for like a thousand or, or two. It's like, yeah. well, that was quaint back then. Wow, uh, that's a quaint little price point. Pro Wrestling eleven point one k. Secret of Mana. 10.2? Come on. That's wild. Come on. A Super Mario Brothers 3 with a right bros. Not a left. 9.3. A Contra, 9,000. Legend of Zelda, a, a later production, 6.6. Then you get to ones that are like, this is why you know it's a different market. A Donkey Kong Country competition card or something that's really rare only went for 5.5 thousand. Now you get to the crazy stuff. Really crazy. A sealed Ninja Turtles went for 4.8 thousand. To me, that's nuts. That actually, see, to me, that makes, yeah, more, that makes sense. more sense to you. That makes more sense. Okay. Ninja Turtles is not just a video game. Ninja Turtles. Sure. I mean, it probably just went to a video game person, but it's like Star Wars video games, Ninja Turtles video games, video games that are licensed or based on other stuff. That stuff I could see at any point in time okay. bucking trends because of it's it, it's attached to something else that collectors are into. Okay, you look at it like that. I look at it as that's a that's not an early NES release. That's in the middle age of the NES. What was that, 89? No, it's not. But I, I, I'm looking at it as, they, as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles memorabilia, not a video game. Unlike Clue Clue Land, they sold millions of Ninja Turtles on the NES. They sure did. And... There's a lot more probably sealed up there than you probably think. I'm not saying sales. that. Yeah. I'm not saying that the price is sensible, but, but it, it makes someone sen- bidding on it. It, it makes sure. sense to me that it could get that high. Zelda Two: The Adventure of Link, Rev A. I own this sealed actually with a little cut mark out where the I think the price tag was it went for four point five thousand dollars. Again, that same realm of oh, it was eighty nine Ninja Turtles. The same realm of well, they 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 sold millions of these. There's got to be a decent amount of sealed ones out there. That's the way I look at it. There. So those are the, there's other ones that went for. Fuck me. A elevator action for 3.1K even sealed. Holy shit. So that's where you're at here. 
A sealed golden eye went for 3.1K. There's a ton of sealed golden eyes out there. There has to be. There has to be. That game's that game's not even 25 years old at this point. So to me, wow, 3D World Runner. I love 3D World Runner went for 2.4K. So there you have it, Ian. And then it goes down from there. And then ones that you think are ones that are rare go for a lot less than you think. Uh, some of them because it's again it's a different market. They're not looking into it. Wow, a sealed a sealed Metal Gear Solid on PlayStation went for one point three k. Yeah. So there you have it. Here. Are anything anything else to add here? No. The test car only went for nine ninety. I like the test card. I don't have a test card. I don't have an NES test card still. Really weird. I never got one. I almost bid. I bet I won a live auction at, at SoCal a few years ago, and someone just basically said to me, "I'm going to keep bidding it up." And I'm like, "Okay, gonna let you have it for cheaper." Because the guy collected, he collected a bunch of the test cards. I just want one. I just want one test card. That's all. Anyway, base is loaded. Ian went for uh, seven hundred twenty dollars. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's not many of those out there. See, this is again. Not to harp on it. This is a weird thing. The Maximum Carnage uh, exclusive collector's edition, you know, the big box you never see, that only went for $780. To me, that's a deal. Compare to the rest of because you don't find that out there too much. There. Anyway. All right. Anything else to add, Ian? So is, is there a, a moral to take away from this This uh, Nintendo PlayStation story? Is not. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to add this entire point here. I have no idea. And I'd feel bad uh, for Terry if Heritage talked him out of the private deals. Got in his ear saying, "Hey, you got offered a, a, a million dollars. That means there's five other people that'll build it, up, you know, bid it up before that." And Terry might have said, "Well, you know what? You might be right about that. You guys know more about B." But Heritage doesn't give a shit because Heritage is going to make money no matter what. Heritage made sixty thousand uh, dollars by Terry making seven hundred thousand dollars less. Then Heritage would have made nothing. So Heritage doesn't give a shit about your well-being. They just want to make their money. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I'm sure there was lots of people in Terry's ear. Um, I, d- I, d- I don't want to postulate on that though I, I i would say that i mean if there's one moral to be taken away from it here is when you're offered an insane amount of money for something you take it you try not to let dollar signs and i hate to use the word because it has a very negative connotation but it is what it is in this situation greed get in the way there was no precedent nothing nothing that reasonably told anyone that this was going to be a, th- a th- you know, that this should be a, a a three million dollar item, let alone one million. Besides the, the one or two people that offered right. that much, and one person who offers it, you can't take that. You you cannot even if one person offered it, you cannot look at it and be like all of these are worth one million or this is what this is worth now. Sure. Even if it sold with it being the only one, you can't look at it and be like this is necessarily worth a million dollars because. You have to, with, 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 without a history of sales to go on, you don't know if it's like we said, some guy got in front of it and was like, screw it, I'm emptying my bank account to get this because I want it sure. now. Well, there is one thing to say about auction, is that by looking at this auction, and by, look, by, by it being pumped up, uh, by, oh. by, by the news being out there, by people having time, I think you really do have a much better idea of what this is actually worth. Sure, and even with that, maybe because because cooler nudges. because and yes, with even that, there's probably some inflation. But cooler heads are certainly prevailing when it comes to an auction that is going over the course of a couple of weeks. And this looks bad for for heritage auctions that this didn't it got one live bid, but as their featured item, this looks bad. Sure. Looks bad. Looks bad, and, and and unfortunately, the people that were just bidding on whatever their clue clans, it looks bad for them too, because it, it drags them into it. You know, this this is going to be because because you know the. 
rising tide raises all ships or whatever. That this tide didn't rise. It just sort of like eh, it sort of just simpered out on on, on this uh, on this item. I, I'll go on record. I didn't think it would get only one bit. I thought it was going to go maybe like you know seven hundred thousand. It would get up to there. I thought there'd be a few crazy people, but there were no crazy people. That was it. The crazy people were already out of it. Yeah, I honestly didn't think it was going to go above what the original offer was. I didn't think it would actually hit the original offer. I was of the thought that, well, okay, this was turned down. I honestly can't imagine that there's that many people out there that would pay $1.2 million for this. No. So my, my thinking was always along that lines um, that we've seen online that uh, you need multiple people who want it for that amount for it to actually go for that much at auction. So my guess was that, yeah, probably about 700 yeah. I, especially when, especially for that brief moment when Palmer Lucky came out and said, "Oh, I'm the big bidder," uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, you know, at, at that point, I think he basically he said something like, "I'm going to keep bidding on it," or he said something well, like, "I've got tons of money." He didn't bid on it, right? Which further proves our point that even anyone who's in the moment immediately interested in this could sit back and go, "Maybe I don't want this for that much money." Or maybe I can't get any use out of this. But I, I felt, I but but the thing, it, it, that could have also scared uh, other bidders away. I mean, he had kind of made it seem like I'm going to get this no matter what. So why, you know, I don't know. Oh, the bully thing. I always say the bully thing doesn't really work when it comes to sure. There's always someone that has just as much money as you or potentially right. more. This guy from Pass like I'm has a ton of money, obviously. So he said he got a deal on it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Like maybe this, maybe this is one of those things where it comes up for sale like 15, 20 years from now when this guy wants to retire, then maybe then it goes for a couple million because now it's like so far removed, like fifty years away, or maybe it goes for nothing. You know, because we don't, because we're all gonna be dead <laughs> by then. We won't care. Again, one of a kind items, prototypes, hard to value. I've said that about NES game prototypes for years. So hard to, to value something like this where. I feel like if it was and, turned around and sold tomorrow, it would get two hundred and fifty thousand. It would. Well, you immediately have him not bidding on it, so it has right. to go down. I, yeah, I don't think you there's know. anyone who's out there sitting going, "Damn, you, I wish." You think so? Palmer's not like, "Damn, I wish I got it." Yeah, I, I would see like, yeah, two hundred, two hundred and fifty, and you know, if that were to happen, if it were to be sold again very soon, you would see the, you know, one point two million offer that was turned down because they won three million drop down to three hundred thousand. And they're like, oh, maybe this isn't as important as we thought it was. Maybe I don't want this. Maybe it's not worth that much. Sure. And then you see this guy not wanting it anymore. Yeah, I, I think this needs to be held on to for a while for it to actually gain any sort of, if, it, if it's going to go up in value. Uh, I'm talking like it's got to be gone. You said like out of the limelight for like yeah. five, ten years. Yeah. I would agree with that. It's got to be gone for a while. Yep. Well, besides the little museum exhibits here and there. Well, that was a fun topic. We're talking about keeps.com, Ian. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. The good news with today's advancements in science, Keeps offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss and keep the hair you have, help keep the hair you have, at half the cost of your local pharmacy. You don't have to go broke to avoid going bald. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Some of you have maybe, maybe tried them before, but probably never for this price. Prevention is key. Keeps treatments really work. They're up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save, so act fast. Many men even experience hair regrowth with Keeps treatments. Thanks to Keeps, you no longer have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now you can visit a doctor online and get your hair loss medication delivered to your home. No more waiting rooms, no more pharmacy checkout lines. Get doctor attention and discreet drug delivery. All from the comfort and privacy of your home. 
Special offer right now, Ian. Special offer for everyone out there. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash CU podcast to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash CU podcast. Get going out there. Prevent that hair loss. All right, Ian. So Reggie fils Reggie fils of uh, of ex-Nintendo um, is... Ex-president. Ex-president of Nintendo of America, of Nintendo of America um, is now recently uh, joined the board of directors um, for GameStop, which is struggling horribly, uh, along with two new board members that were not mentioned. Or at least they're not. Well, they're as mentioned, but they're not. As they're not, they're not as important to to the, to the topic. Hey, I see. I, I, you know, I feel bad. Uh, George Sherman, Bill Simon, and, and, and J.K. Semansic. Uh George Sherman, um, chief executive of GameStop, says the board refreshment and governance enhancements. Are not- the <laughs> the board refreshment and governance enhancements announced today represents. Holy fuck! Shoot me in the face! I don't ever want to read that sentence again. Represents an important milestone in GameStop's transformation as we continue to evolve the company's business strategy for long-term hey, success. It's our buddy George from from AutoZone. Board refreshment and governance enhancements. Do these people talk like this all the time? Through memos in, in, in the office, they, they do. Why do people talk like this? Because it has to be very formal business speak. But but it, it, it's sh- bullshit. Have, Everyone laughs at this. Have, Everyone knows business speak is a joke. You have shareholders, and you ha- you have to make sure the stock doesn't plummet by looking like a crazy person or saying something off color. Whenever Elon Musk does something really strange, the Tesla, you know, the stock goes goes nutty because he says weird shit and he gets in trouble. You can't, you got to be careful. Hey, if you want my money, I need you to speak like a fucking weirdo to me at all okay, times. Okay, so here's the point, Ian. Man. <laughs> Reggie fils is is going to be on the board of directors. Before people go nuts, what does a board of directors actually do uh, for a company? A board of directors oversees... Uh, the direction of a company, uh, you know, it's a board. They vote. I'm not sure how many GameStop has. A company like this probably has at least 10, I'm guessing. They vote on the direction of the company via um, usually the CEO. There's a, if there's like a vote on no confidence, they can fire the CEO, get a new one. Other high-end positions like that. A lot of times, the president or CEOs of the company are also on the board of directors. Sometimes they, they do more than one thing. But a board of directors person usually, and someone might correct me wrong, they're not involved in day-to-day business. They're not clocking in every single day on a 9-to-5. That's not what a, a board of directors person does. Right. So Reggie isn't like going, all right, guys, let's dig in and save GameStop now. You're going to be like that. You're gonna be like, no, 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 no. That's what the CEO does. That's what the COOs do. Right. That's what they do. The board of directors are like, okay, this is the direction I want you to go. They're like the managers of the CEOs. They, the CEOs. they, uh, they fucking refresh and enhance. So what's happening here? Obviously, GameStop's in trouble. Obviously, they're going to have their 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 fiscal quarter, a uh, fiscal year just ended, uh, or it's going to end, uh, I guess, end of March. That's how they do it. Whatever. Financials are probably coming out early April. I'm guessing it's going to be bad. It's gonna be it's gonna be bad, bad. It's it, gonna be a bloodbath. It's gonna be a bloodbath because they already announced they're closing uh, certain stores. They're gonna be closing a lot more than that, and people are gonna be losing their jobs. So to me, maybe this is um, a hedge against the bad news, saying, "Hey, we got Reggie. Reggie was around during Nintendo's, you know, uh, 
rising from the ashes with with the Wii and the 3DS, and it's like, yeah, that's true. It doesn't mean Reggie's going to be able to turn around GameStop, though, being on the board of directors. And I think I think because Reggie is built up as this you know person that everyone knows, I think people. It was also people I saw online were acting like. This means that Reggie thinks GameStop can succeed? No, no. No, 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 no. no, no, no. This is what happens. Okay, so real quick, this is is Reggie's tweet. The gaming industry needs a healthy and vibrant GameStop. I look forward to being part of GameStop Corp board and helping to make this happen. I mean, that doesn't tell you anything. That's that's market speak. Uh, That's business speak. I didn't see that tweet from Reggie. Yeah, that's that's business speak. Um, Here's what happened. Reggie retired. Reggie got offered a shitload of money. To be on a board of directors, which means that Reggie is going to say he now is part of GameStop's board of directors. He's going to sit on that board of directors, and he's going to offer advice for two years until they go out of business, and he's going to be retired again. He's not going to save GameStop. He's not go- He's not running GameStop. He's not the CEO. Like Pat said, he's not down there in the fucking trenches. He's not in the muck. He's, he's not getting shelled, okay? He's... he's, he's he, Accepted money for what is at this point essentially an advisory role. That's the best way to put it. You you are acting as more like an advisor with more power to vote on, you know, things like direction of the company, things like that. But you're one of many. You're not, you know, board of directors is a group. Right. They get in and they vote. This yeah. this doesn't mean that 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 Reggie is now Mister GameStop. He's, it, he's Mister. He's not going to be showing up at E3 wearing a GameStop shirt. Right. Hopefully, that's not really going to be on GameStop commercials. Yes. It's that's not what this is. It's 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 an amusing bit of news, but it's really not that big of a deal. Yes. Yeah, so, so, some of these uh, some of these tweets from people are funny. So you can, so you can start with hiring competent customer service. That, that's, that's not, not Reggie, what he's going to do. That's not what Reggie's going to be doing. That's not his job. That's not. Reggie's going to be taking phone calls. Maybe, maybe like a weekly phone call. It'll be like, hey, what's going on with these new uh, these new stores you're trying out here? Can we? You know, build it, but Reggie, Reggie probably can, can we refresh see. some governances. <laughs> but like, when, when you get a position like this, where it's going to be probably six figures, I don't know how much they offer something like this for board. One hundred fifty thousand, two hundred. I have no idea. Six figures, though, likely six figures for minimal work. Yeah, minimal work. And you, but you still can maybe have fun. Be like, hey, yeah, I mean, I can you know help GameStop. But Reggie's not dumb. He probably is like, okay, this is this is not long for this world. But you know what? I'll try. I'll jump in there. You wrote you wrote a big enough check, and good for Reggie for doing that. I do. I do the same thing. But GameStop, if you want Stay me on sharp. the Stay you, GameStop, on I'm offering my services to be on the board of directors right now of GameStop. I, I have some good ideas I can help with. We can help. We can help stave off the pain. But the pain's coming. We know the pain's coming. The pain's coming in a, in a month when that when that next uh, the financial for for 2019 comes out. That's gonna be bad. That's going to be a uh, tweet for this person. Reggie oversees all video games. Now that's funny. Reggie's about to kick ass, take names and now help sell all games. Some of these obviously are, are tongue in cheek, obviously let's go. Please make it a less stressful place to work and shop. I don't think Reggie's going to be able to make that happen. Right. Reggie's not walking into GameStop stores. And Reggie's not Jesus. This also goes back <laughs> to my shit. Like, please stop putting all of this on this man. He's yeah. a businessman. Okay. He's a smart businessman. He helped turn he's around a smart what, Pizza Hut. Was, was it Pizza Hut and other companies? But He's done good stuff for companies you like in roles that are far more hands-on than board of directors for GameStop. Yeah. Okay? But he's not your fucking friend. 
Just because you see him at E3s for six years in a row doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean like you know him personally. But he's a nice guy from what everyone says. From what I've heard. Yeah. But stop, stop, stop building up Reggie to be something that he's not. Sure. He's just a fucking guy living his life. But that tweet got 42,000 likes and 8,000 retweets. Well, I hope they go buy a lot of groceries with that clout. And then the other two guys, uh, who are they again? Uh, Bill Simon and J.K. Simonsick. So, uh, Mr. Simon and Mr. Simonsick appointments are effective immediately. Fizemay, oh, Fizemay's won't be until April 20, 2020. That's after the bloodbath. Or right about when the bloodbath's going to be happening. After the bloodbath, okay. Um, Woo! New guidelines, implementing new guidelines for board tenure and committee refreshment, also effective immediately. Okay, so the t- the two guys are coming on immediately, and Reggie's going to come back from his vacation and other. He's doing. He's been doing speak. He's been speaking engagements here and there, going to colleges and things. So Reggie's been getting around there. So all right, uh, George Sermon did that. Did that sp- speech that you didn't like that you hated that. Anyway, Which one? About, about re- governance enhancements and board refreshment. Oh yeah, fuck that. <laughs> Oh my god, that's fucking awful! Like Jesus Christ. The other two guys are one guy twenty five years executive leadership. No one needs you to talk that way. Uh, no one wants you to talk that way. You sound like a fucking tool. <sighs> oh, so one of the guys on the board is the current president and CEO of PetSmart. So there you go. You can. That's something to mention. Usually, board of directors have jobs elsewhere or can do jobs elsewhere, and then they can also be on a board of directors of another company as long as there's not a conflict of interest here. So there you go. Uh, and then uh, Bill Simon. Let's see what Bill Simon d- does. Uh, he is, he's a senior advisor at KKR and Company. I have no idea what that is. Don't, not going to guess and know what that is. Maybe that's like a financial place. So there you go. There you go. They've got some good people getting in there. But, I mean, this should have happened five, six years ago, <sighs> all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Not after digital's taken over the world, you know, and they've gone through, was it, was it two or three years now of losing a lot of money? My God. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. The stock went up, though. Here you go, Ian. This is, what, this is what happens, too. When you announce this stuff, people buy the stock. Stock went up 43 cents. Mm. Or since, uh, or is that, that on the day it happened? Went up 43 cents? Or is that today? What are the, the stock probably went up a little bit from the news. Who cares? So, we, we, we done, Ian? Yeah, we're done with that one. We're done with that topic. All right. Strong Museum and Congregate are uh, are, <laughs> are partnering to preserve Flash games. So this is good. We've been talking about this uh, a bit lately. Uh, not just the old preservation. Uh, we fancy ourselves uh, preservationistas. Uh, uh, I like how you hit it. Flick out the flick out the the the, 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 yeah, the, the, the non collar on my sweatshirt. Um, but we've been talking a little bit about Flash and how um, you know uh, Flash is no longer going to be supported in December of 2020, so at the end of this year. Oh. And all of those uh, crazy stick figure fighting games and porn games are going to disappear yeah. and not be useful anymore. Yeah, like a blackjack game out there, it was yeah. easy to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, if you download them and you download a Flash player, you can use them. But we need to, uh, you know, there there is a need to <coughs> get all of this stuff together mm-hmm. and make sure it's accounted for. So, excuse me, the Strong Museum is going to be partnering with uh, Congregate 
in an effort to make that preservation easier. Congregate is a website. It was a it's a it's a web portal um, that kind of uh, gathered different flash games and stuff like that. As it says here at the beginning of the Gamma Sutra article, uh, publisher con- a, a web portal and publisher congregate to start preserving Flash games. The museum will download and preserve the tens of thousands of Flash games uplo- uploaded to the congregate portal, making them available for educational and research purposes. Um, so by partnering with congregate, they have... It's all there. Half the work's been done for them. It's already been organized and gathered together. This is a great resource a, 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 it's like stumbling upon a vein of gold if you were um, uh, a 49er uh, miner. A vein of gold? A vein of gold. Is that an expression? Yeah, like a gold vein. Gold vein that just pumps it, the gold into you? When you're a miner, you find veins. Oh, you do? Yes. Not just nuggets? No, it's like it's like you find you find like the, the materials Spre- in like veins. Okay. That's what I've heard. You know, there's a silver mine in Tre- Tremors 4. The, the legend begins. I just watched. In the really? Old yes. Sorry. Go on. No, I mean that's. Uh, I I've mean, I tremors a kick lately. I just I, just, I double checked. Uh, gold vein. Scientists have long known that veins of gold are formed by mineral deposition from hot fluids flowing through cracks deep in fluids. Earth's crust. But a study published today in Nature Geoscientists found that the process can occur almost instantaneously, possibly within a few tenths of a second. Okay. Back to the story. Anyway, so uh, this is well science. It's good that the strong well, sciences. It's good that the strong is partnering because strong has the resources. Obviously, they have the curators in place to to take care of this stuff, and you know they got the strategy mapped out. Right? Mm-hmm. That's good news. They got the goods. They got the stuff. They got the money. You know. Yeah. Right. Yep. Did you, did you talk about the quote? Flash games relatively easy to create. Did you say that one? Nah, I didn't say that one, but I'm pretty sure we covered that in a different flash topic. Oh, I want to say it. They're rel- I'm the quote. Say today. it. Do it. Flash games were relatively easy to create, and therefore they opened the game development process to thousands of people, some of whom went on to produce commercial games. We spoke about that before. Flash games also introduced themes and play mechanics that became popular in many video games, especially with the rise of popularity of mobile games. If you're listening to that, Ian was putting his hands on his hips and shimming in a suggestive nature in my direction, which I don't think he's ever done before in six and a half years of the podcast. And, Might be another six and, and a half and years. And I'm all embarrassed, and I'm all flustered now <laughs> because of it. Ian's beat beat red now. I'm always red. Uh, outlining its approach to preservation, the strong said it will strong will store the digital materials of chosen chosen flash games, including all the associated metadata, and it will implement best practices to ensure each game can be played as originally intended. Step right up. Get get on your Gateway 2000 at the Strong Museum. Hell Sit yeah. on down with your shitty, shitty mouse and clickety-clack keyboard and play that Flash game. <laughs> what does that mean? That's just funny. What does that mean is originally intended? In a, in a, in a living room, uh, carefully crafted to look just like a living room from 2002. We're going to get those shitty $10 little PC speakers that have yeah. no bass. Stick them right there. Honestly, that's that's what I loved about the Long Island Retro Gaming Expo. They had those, you know, the computers from every era, even like yep. the mid '90s, where by that point they were cheap, and you know, a lot more people were buying them. And that's that's how I remember gaming. And that's how I played my Tie Fighter. Skinny ass speakers. No, we had boss. No, no, we had good. Uh, we had good speakers actually. We had ones that had like a built-in bass that were that big. My dad splurged on the, the speakers. Yeah, my friend had a subwoofer for his computer. It was nuts. I still have my boss an acoustic set. You see, the, there's a subwoofer right there. You see it? No, right there. Look. Look above, see that that little that guy in the back there. That's a Boston. That's twenty years old. That set. That, wow. That uh, 
That it's got that beige pieces. color to it. So it has the little the little guys, the little guys with the, with the subwoofer. That thing's powerful, but it's still not hooked up to my computer because I've been using headphones. Because I want my hearing to go away and get tinnitus. Because what happens when we wear headphones too much. So oh, you need to be able to hear the doom monsters. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> anyway, so this is great news here. I I I I'm hoping there's a day where what are we talking about? Oh God, uh, flash preservation, congregate, strong yes. museum. My friend Andrew Borman works at the strong museum. I met Andrew, didn't I? I don't know. I met him. At, I met. Have you? He's I, a wonderful fellow. He's with glasses, right? Yes. Yeah, I met him. He was at Syracuse last year. He came uh, to Syracuse. I met him. He's a tall guy. Yeah, he's like six two. Good looking. Digital preservation. Okay. He's the man on the scene. Okay. All right. Anyways, I, I, I think I met him. Yeah, I met I met someone from the strong. It, it, it had to be him. So it had to be him. He's he. I mean, his he's name, his middle name. That's why it's called the Strong Museum. Andrew what? Strong Borman. Is named after him? Yeah, his middle name is Strong. He literally got it to name after him. He did. He went in and he dropped like twenty push-ups. And they were yeah. like, you are powerful. And he was like, name the place after me. Is that what happened to you? That's is what that, happened. Is that, a, is, that, is that on the Wikipedia <laughs> for the Strong Museum? It's on the <laughs> is, 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 That's part of the lore of the Strong Museum? Yes. There? Are we deep diving into the We're deep the strong... diving into the hey, lore of the Strong Museum. I forgot museum. to deep dive into Tremors. I forgot all about that in the intro. That's all right. Save it for next week next when week, you finish well, all of them. I finish all six, and they're filming a seventh Tremors right now. <laughs> right. Jesus God. Michael Gross is going to be 80 by the... Michael, she's only 70. Michael Gross... I looked it up because Michael Gross, I only know him from, everyone knows him from the, the Father of Family Ties and Burt Gummer from Tremors. He was only like 42 in the first Tremors. On Family Ties, exactly, on Family Ties when it started, he was only like 33 and Michael J. Fox was like 18 or something. Wow. So like he he looked a lot older on Family Ties. He has the same exact birth, birthday as Meredith uh, Baxter. Bernie. Bernie. Is it Meredith Baxter Bernie? Believe me, I know it's so they had Baxter it. Bernie. They had it. My my co-host uh, uh, on Extra Napkins uh, used to he had used a crush. You say he had a crush on Meredith Baxter Bernie. So they were born the exact same day, both of them in real life, as, as Michael Gross, and they had to age, they had to age them up for the show. Sorry, I used to love Family Ties. Anyway, what are we talking about? Strong Museum and Daniel talking about Meredith ups? Baxter Bernie. Okay, we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move on here. All right, Ian. How do you access the CU Podcast Patreon? Stop looking at Meredith Baxter Bernie. How do you know what I did? Uh, I did. I Googled <laughs> Meredith Baxter Bernie. How do you access the uh, CU Podcast Patreon? You go to patreon.com slash CU Podcast. And I need uh, to do a writing today. You, you do, Ian. We're going to say that right now. I'm okay. sorry. I'm sorry. Wow. Ian never apologizes to me for it. I'm apologizing sorry. To you. I'm apologizing to you. I need to write a writing today. <laughs> to today. All right. Uh, you go there. And I, I I do the writings. Um, I we I I do a hangout. Got to schedule a hangout. My God, things I need to do. The world. Yeah. It's so it's it, it's it's, it's, it's falling apart. It's falling apart. Um, Health crisis. Meredith Baxter Bernie is not there. No. No. I haven't heard of Meredith, Meredith Baxter Bernie in years. Anyway, go. So we have a Patreon poll once a week. Ian in third place. Discuss Levi's new Mario collection. Twenty four percent. No one cares. No one cares. Um. In- but no, twenty four percent cared. In second place, thirty three percent. Oh man, will we will we ever see another major console that is not Nintendo slash Sony slash Microsoft? Only thirty three percent. That's actually strong for second place. In first place, forty three percent. Finally, movies slash TV properties that should not, for whatever reason, have not been made into video games. Ian, what are some IPs out there from movie or TV that have, should not 
have ever been made into fucking cool world probably shouldn't have ever been a video game <laughs> at least on the nes at least because that was a, more of a kitty console versus, yeah versus, on genesis as well or super, it was on super nintendo it was on it was on yeah. nes and super nintendo um also uh, uh well, why that, why cool world well one there's not really a game there uh but it's also very very uh, it's it, adult it's, it's adult yeah, yeah. It's, it's racy um another one that always uh, gets me is toys the movie Toys, the Robin William vehicle Toys. What was that about? That the bomb? It was. It didn't do well. That was on Super. Was that on Genesis as well? Yes, it was. Okay. What was Toys about, Ian? Um, it was. I'm trying to remember exactly. It wasn't. Oh, a, it okay. wasn't a video game movie. A, a high tech toy factory falls into the hands of an army general who turns the models into killing machines. The deceased owner's children know what's afoot, and although apparently powerless, have to find a way of bringing down the night. Actually, that sounds like it could make a video game. <laughs> it could. It could make a video but game. But it's a little complex in the thematic, you know, thematic yes. offerings they're going on for a video game, right there. Kenneth Zevo, the owner of the Zevo Toys Factory in Moscow. Idaho is done. What the fuck? And I guess so. So I guess um, they bring in Robin Williams to save it. I guess it bombed. By the way, I've never seen this movie. Um, the budget was fifty million. It made only twenty three point three. That lost a lot of money. That Robin did. Wright was in it. Wow, young Robin Wright. Nice. Joan Cusack was in it. Michael Gambon was on it. Gambone is it Gambon or Gambone? Gambon. Did he just die? Is he still right? No, he's still alive. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Anyway, that sounds like a weird. Uh, but it's called toys, so we got to put toys in the game. And right, you, right. And they you just... shoot tanks and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, that's a weird one. Hit me. Oh God, I want you to save me. Hit me years. with one. Uh, the, the one that I'll, I'll stick with NES. Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk was an R-rated movie, violent movie with some weirdly violent moments in it. I love Hudson. That Hawk. was over the top in its comedy, but it was violent though too. And they decided to make that into an NES game because a lot of kids, uh, you know, saw the Hudson Hawk movie when it came out. No one did. That movie bombed, actually, when it came out. It's a fucking great movie. You can say what you want. I've, never, I've only seen bits and pieces. Bad idea for an NES game. Whether yeah. or not, that's oh, it's NES an game. absolutely awful Horrific idea, for an, idea, idea for an NES game. You want to know something? I like the first level to Hudson Hawk. With a dog? Uh, the first level in Hudson Hawk um, is interesting because you have to play the game very stealthily. And it's okay. neat because it actually works. The first level of Hudson Hawk is fun. That's right, I said it. Fun with an emphasis. It's got some fun to it. But <laughs> I'm lower my volume. <laughs> but um, they don't they don't keep up with that as the game goes on. They try to make it more action packed, and the game controls like absolute dog balls. <laughs> controls like dog balls. Absolute. <laughs> You're using the dog balls. Absolute dog thumbing, balls. Thumbing those dog balls. Thumbing those dog balls. Just fucking. Ew, gross. Let's just stick with the NES because you can go through half of the movie games don't belong on the system. Nightmare on Elm Street. I like the game. Probably shouldn't have been an NES game. Originally, you're supposed to be Freddy and kill kids. That would have been inappropriate, probably. That probably wouldn't have got past the censors uh, for that. I would have been fine with that. would have been okay. But you know what? The way it's structured... It's it's still fine for kids. It's it's kind of scary for kids though. With with a, I think it's a it's a great port of. I mean, how is he going to port the movie uh, to that? Friday Thirteenth to me, that gets into a little more inappropriateness when it comes to uh, you know the NES because you know it's like oh yeah, collect the hatchet and the fucking uh, and the machete and things. It's like okay, now you're you're veering off into the to the R rated a little bit much. But again, for 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 a game like that, that's probably the best thing you could have done uh, in terms of, of there. Uh, you know what shouldn't have been uh, ported over? Back to the Future because it's a horrible game. 
It has nothing to do with the movie, just about. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, sorry, Rue. And it's not a shooter. Uh, it's still not a shooter. Yeah, uh, it's one of those things that it just... A lot of the movie-based games... I, 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 I mean, if you want to go with what's appropriate at the time... Here's the mini game where you have to prevent your, your mom from making out with you. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> if you want to go based with, like, like I said, with what's appropriate at the time, you can make arguments for Nightmare on Elm Street and... Um, Friday the 13th not being there uh, they shouldn't have been there because uh, okay it, it was it was violent but you could still work a video game out of that there was nothing in Back to the Future no nothing not a thing in Back to the Future that was ripe for video gamification uh, 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 skateboarding that maybe that could have been right but there was there was no structure to the to the film there wasn't like a bunch of action sequences that you could even build it around. I mean, Back to the Future action sequences, if you count the ending as an action sequence, which really isn't really action, you have, yes, the skateboarding away from Biff. And then what other action is in the movie? Right. There's none. That's why you had to do like the mini games where, well, play the guitar on the stage and capture the notes. Capture the hearts of your mom. Again, your mom in, in the classroom. That's bizarre. You know, like that's what the... The, there was no milkshake scene in the movie throwing milkshakes at people. A, a couple yeah. other ones that jumped to mind for well, me. I got the big one that you might bring up, but go ahead. Wayne's World? What the fuck are you supposed to make a video game out of with Wayne's World? Blues Brothers? <laughs> the fuck are you supposed to make a video game out of with Blues Brothers? Why did they make a video game of Blues Brothers when the movie came out like 12 years before? Home what Improvement on the Super Nintendo. Yes. And they made they made it so that like you're on the show, I guess, and you're still. What was, what's the story behind Home Improvement? I should know. It's in the, I didn't do the review, but it's in the book uh, here. So I mean, those are ones that that, that missing, really jumped to mind. You're missing the big one, huh? Well, okay, here's another one: Dark Man. At least sure. that's action, I guess. That's, that was R rated, wasn't it? Was that R rated? Yeah, like Dark I said, I'm not so worried about R rated because okay. I mean we've I got gotcha. violence today. I'm talking yeah, about the sure. stuff that absolutely had no fucking sure. basis for even a video like, game. Because even Predator, it's an action. Yeah, you movie. could. I mean, okay, yes, I don't care. Um, a platoon should no. not have been a video game. Yeah, I don't care on the NES or or the alternate versions on like the computer. Platoon, right is now, a you dark, don't. No, you don't do it. Anti-war film. The action scenes in platoon are not meant to be cool. Everyone dies horribly. Most everyone dies in platoon. Yeah. The message is war is bad. It's the worst case scenario. Not let's go shoot the Viet Cong and have fun jumping over. Uh, you know, trip wires. Platoon is my nomination for the worst IP to become a video game because of that. Yeah, but they licensed it. They got the money from Ocean and whoever else uh, uh, to do it for the. I think the computer was Ocean, and then it was a Sunsoft. If they, I don't know, I forget who developed it. But it's so tone deaf to the point of like you don't want to go back and watch Platoon when it's over. It's that sad. Yeah, like it's not like oh, Batman the video game. It makes sense. So you're punching out. No, people die bad, gruesome deaths. People get they find the fucking people hanging in it from the Viet Cong killing them. It's bad. Yeah, what's what's, bad? what's next? Are we gonna get a fucking EA licensed game based on the Deer Hunter? I mean, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Russian roulette mini game. Yeah. Holy shit! It's I mean like. It's, would Full Metal Jacket, the video game, have been better or worse? There's more action in Full Metal Jacket, I'd argue. You could probably make that a video game before Platoon, even. But you shouldn't make them video games. 
Here's the jelly donut eating a mini game in the, from the first half of Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket's brilliant. I like it better than Platoon, by the way. I love Kubrick. Anyway, so so those are nominees on the top. I'm sure we're missing a ton. Oh, I'm sure we are. I would argue Dirty Harry should not have been a, a video game on the NES or computers. Because Dirty Harry, the first one at least, was a crime drama. And it wasn't overly, you know, Clint Eastwood just shooting people. You know, in the first one, even though he still shot people. But Dirty Harry w- was, you know, was like a, a moment in time that... You know, obviously Deadpool had come out by, you know, they did the Dirty Harry 5, Deadpool. I don't know why I did five of them, because uh, he was so old by then. He's like 90 now. Uh, so he was only 60 then. Anyway, so the Dirty Harry to me was always a weird idea to do a movie back, because that was half of Dirty Harry was, was sort of a, a social statement on the times uh, for most of the movies, too, uh, there. Uh, you think Rambo should have been a video game? Rambo, the first movie. Obviously, Rambo, the video game is based on, like, Rambo 3. By that point, you're just gutting down, you know, Russians willy-nilly. The first Rambo is an anti-war film, you know, again, with some action thrown in. But it had to do with treating of our veterans. Sorry. That should not have been a video game, Rambo. Apparently, Desperate Housewives was a video what? game for Windows. What, what did you look at? Worst IPs to be video games? I, I just, I, I don't even know how I found this. Because, obviously, if we go into mobile games... There should never have been a, a fucking Watchmen Flash game. Watchmen's not supposed to be a cool, uh, you know, property with fighting involved. Or, oh, it's cool. Watchmen. Video. No, it's not supposed to be that. So I just looked up real quick the Desperate Housewives video game. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, the game ba- begins when a family moves to Hysteria Lake. Successful doctor. Blah, blah, blah. Wife with a forgotten past, et cetera, et cetera. Danielle Fox, a famous designer. All right. Doctor's wife must battle uh, off a love rival to her husband, his secretary, Jackie Marlin, who stops at no cost to get what she wants. Is this a a computer game? Yep, and their cranky neighbor, Etta Davenport. Uh, Not only this, but she must deal with the antics of her unruly 14-year-old son and the people around him. We also find that the other residents aren't as nice as they seem when a private investigator, Eric Larson, shows up in town alongside a shady businessman, Vincent Corsetti, who seems to have ulterior motives. In the end, their secrets are aired to public, and a desperate decision is made in a hostage situation. Okay. Uh, this is as far... I'm just going to go here. Uh, endings. Desperate Housewives of the game has four different endings. Okay. We're going to save the first one for last. The main character lives happily ever after with a husband. The main character lives happily ever after with Eric Larson. The main character runs off with Vincent Corsetti. Or the first ending. The main character shoots everyone. The, the wife, the desperate housewife. Yeah. You shoot everyone. Yeah. What console was this on? It was on Windows. It's Buena Vista Games. I think, we should, I think we should do a Let's Play of this 2006. Game. Uh, do you think that's less or more appropriate than Law & Order uh, Legacy's SVU uh, game? That's bad. I came out, uh, the trailer was in 2012 for that. Um, yeah, that looks bad too. Anyway, yeah, so thanks for bringing that to a halt, Ian, about the desperate housewives. No thing. problem. Um, no, I, I didn't even think about TV shows, but like how many TV shows from the, they really didn't make a lot of TV show video games in the nineties and eighties. Did they? It was mainly just besides like cartoons. That's for kids. Cartoons, but not like home improvement. That's a weird one. There was no family matters game. Right. No, there wasn't, but there was a time tracks game. Okay. How, time tracks was a syndicated show. It wasn't home. Improvement. It was like the number one show on TV or one of them. Time Tracks, Ian, was like a Canadian-produced show that was on for two years that also uh, started when when freaking uh, Renegade with Lorenzo Lamas and Highlander the series came out. The difference is this. 
Highlander was out for six years, and that was based upon a movie property. And there has a shitty cartoon that came out. So Highlander had like a renaissance. There was no Highlander the series video game when that made sense a hell of a lot more than Time Tracks. But Time Tracks was action. I'll give you that. But Time Tracks was not that popular. So I don't know how that became a video game and Highlander the series was not a video game. I say that as a diehard Highlander the series fan because that show was way better than it had any right to be when it was out uh, during then. Then they did the shitty movie that combined the movie and, and TV and it was horrible. But anyway. Time Tracks is a bizarre... There's a lot of bad SNES games like that. Mm-hmm. Like Baby's Kids. Oh, yeah, there was a Baby's yes. Kids. I forgot about that. There was. Yes. One yep. of the worst games, according to a certain Super Nintendo guidebook. Yes, there was. The Super Nintendo was that weird point in time where I think the tipping point was where you had a lot more... An- I guess you can pull off more animated stuff, so you had more of those properties. and you know, It was a weird time for licensed properties on the Super Nintendo. What are you looking up? Meredith Baxter Bernie? Time Tracks. On SNES, we've seen that come through a few times, and it's I've always uncommon. Just, I always just assumed it was a racing game. No, you didn't know it was no. no. It was an action show about a guy like in the 24th century that goes back in time to capture uh, fugitives from the future. It comes back in time, and he has like a a virtual reality thing, and he can stop time, and he has a little uh, a phaser built into like it looks like a fucking uh, car car uh, car uh, the fucking alarm thing in his hand. From Malibu Interactive. Good old Malibu. They put out some quality titles back then. Yeah. Actually, Time Tracks technically was a good game. I reviewed it. Mm. It was actually one of the one of the only games I had known at the time uh, that there was a slow motion uh, power-up thing. Uh. Not many games had that, especially back then. So you can actually uh, slow down time. But, but, but you're still going quick, but everything else is slowed. It was like a, on a meter uh, sort of thing. Very interesting. I, I, like, I like that game more I think about it. Sorry. Anything else? Any other? Super Nintendo had some weird freaking things going on. No, I'm good. We didn't mention any Genesis ones. At all. It's a great system. There was no IPs that shouldn't have been on the Genesis? There probably was, I'm sure. I'm just not thinking of any off the top of my head. You, you, you think... Um, to- to- we bring up Total Recall? Total that should Recall's, not have been a... No. Total no. Recall's a weird one because I, that's not really an action... It is action, but that's... Again, I'm not concerned about violence. I'm concerned about is there anything to make a game out well, of? Well, because RoboCop's really violent. RoboCop, your plan has RoboCop makes sense. Sure. Total Recall is like, well, you got to find out who, like, if you're really the guy, and then you got your wife starts shooting at you, and, and then you, you know, you start killing people horribly. A lot of it's, it's, it's Paul Verhoeven as well, coincidentally, ultra violent. That'd be like, there's got to be a Titanic video game. There's got to be a Titanic video movie video game. That's inappropriate. Not that I'm finding. I thought that movie was inappropriate. Titanic movie video game. Um, no, there was not one based upon the... Uh, there's lots of Titanic games, but but they're not based on the movie. There you go. Good. <laughs> good, good. Good work. All right, Ian, Q&A time in the CU podcast here. Oh, we've got one? We got one. All right. Okay. Tell it, me. <laughs> This is from John at Mario underscore void. A Mario day. Wow, we didn't plan that. Oh, look at that. What foods only found in video games have you always wanted to try? For example, a Mario mushroom, Pokemon curry. I don't know it's Pokemon curry. Ninja Turtles sewer pizza. <laughs> I'm sure you can find a pizza in a sewer somewhere. But Ian, what? You're, you're chomping at the bit. Literally. I have an answer for this one. Uh, the berries in Pokemon. <clears throat> okay, not familiar. 
Pokemon, uh, so there are all sorts of berries in Pokemon. Just type in Pokemon berries, and, and I'm sure it'll bring up a whole bunch of them um, for you. I want to look at some of these images. Um, Pokemon uh, has its own uh, it, 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 its own uh, fruit, its own berries. Um, there's a oh, lot. Of, I see a purple banana. There's uh, Nanab berries. There's pineapple berries. There's uh, Petrum berries. And they look similar to fruits in real life. Um, but not, not all of them are, uh, are, are real. Um, there's t- tomato, I believe is one of the berries, but I've always wanted to know what they taste like. Um, the other thing is there are special foods made for Pokemon that only Pokemon eat like Pokemon puffs. Like they make like pastries for okay. Pokemon in X and Y. And I've always wanted to know what those taste like. I'm fairly certain in one of the cartoons, Ash eats one and is like, bah, it tastes like crap, but they look delicious. I want to know what they taste like. So I think poker and, and, and actually, uh, from playing, uh, the new Pokemon sword and shield, um, the, that, that person who asked the question makes a good point. Uh, one of the big things in the new Pokemon is you can um, make curry at a campsite. And there's all sorts of different curries that you make with the different berries and the different base food items that you can find. And all of it looks fairly appealing. Most of it looks fairly appealing. Gotcha. So um, I didn't even see that part of the question. But yeah, that's definitely one of them. But the Pokemon berries are something that every time I'm playing Pokemon, I look at them and I see the weirder ones. And I'm like, I want to eat that. I want to know what it tastes like. Okay. Just a berry? Just, yeah, the berry. I'm surprised it's that it's that uh that calm. Yeah. I don't I actually didn't have one on the top of my head beforehand, but I'm looking at um looking at the ten tasty video game foods you can make right now, and some of these I had no idea were things. I'm I'm gonna put these in that category. So uh butterscotch cinnamon pie from Undertale. Oh yeah. That sounds delicious, but yep. you can probably make that. I'd eat that in a heartbeat. Lava soup from Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons. There's lava soup? I wouldn't eat that. Gasahi green smoothie from Final Fantasy 15. Oh, Gasol greens. Gasol. Oh, it's Gasol. It's on an I. Sorry. This one sounds delicious. Jurassic pork soup from Chrono Trigger. That sounds delicious. What do you like? Eat like some T Rex thigh and Jurassic pork. (laughs) Jurassic pork, which which you get from uh, the Breakfast Republic. Great. They actually have that there. Uh, Braised river beast from World of Warcraft. That sounds good. To, to put on a spit. Sea Salt Popsicle from Kingdom Hearts series. Stupendous Stew from Super Mario Odyssey. I don't remember that. Did I get across that? Hot Dog Sushi from Mother 3. That sounds that sounds not uh, delicious here. But all right. Stupendous Stew is uh, the when exploring the lunch in Kingdom Super Mario Odyssey, the Kingdom Central Landmark is a volcano with a pot on top. That is where the residents create the Stupendous Stew, an incredibly tasty looking concoction. Level one chef has extensively researched this stew and recreated it in real life. So this is a, I'm looking at an article from fanbite.com, B-Y-T-E, where they look to re- reproduce foods uh, here. here. Um, absolute Shadow Ramen from The World Ends With You. I, I, I thought of another one, too. Um, in Monster Hunter, there are these cats. They're called felines. Please don't tell me you eat the cats. No, you don't eat the cats. Uh, the cats cook. Oh. They're chefs. And oh. in all Monster Hunter games, there's usually uh, like a restaurant in your hub town where you can go pay the cats to cook you a delicious meal. That sounds amazing. And they will pay you a delicious meal. That they have little hats on? Uh, yeah. They, oven they, mitts? Yeah. No, they're great. They're great. Let me see if I can find a good picture of feline chefs here. Yes. Chef, cats, Monster Hunter? Yes. They're like normal little cats? Yep. Basically. Uh, and they're fantastic. And the food they make always looks very good. 
And uh, yeah, I would definitely eat their cooking. But that's not something you can only get in a video game. Well, I mean, I can't I can't think of any place else where I can get food cooked for me by a cat. Not you're yet. also getting you're also getting, you know, the various monster meats cooked for you. Oh, okay. those, those only exist, you know, in the game. So yes, absolutely. Like a, like a giant turkey leg but a monster leg. Yeah, exactly. God, those turkey legs are good. There's one convention I went to that actually had a giant turkey leg. I ate it both days. Did you really? Yes. Because it's like seven dollars for like a pound and a half of meat, turkey meat. It's it's, it's healthy. Yep. I'm trying to cut the carbs down the past uh, you know month. I, I, I dropped a few pounds here. Um, uh, the Mario mushroom, you can find that. I mean, you can find the mushroom in real life to, to sort of alter your, you know, your state of your state of mind. Yeah, just your like state. you can. F- I mean, the sewer pizza and turtles is not that different from anything. I was going to say sewer pizza is just delivered pizza into that you find right. in the sewer, right? Yeah. So that's what, what was it? Pizza Hut, that was the one they sponsored for the Ninja Turtles on, uh, on yes. NES. Ninja Turtles yes. too. So mm-hmm. you can find you can find Pizza Hut in real life. I have not had a Pizza Hut in probably twenty five years. God, it's bad. Is it worse than Domino's? Oh, it's way worse. Yeah. I remember Papa John's being. Uh, oh, Papa John's is gross. I remember it being better. Oh no no no! I've had forty pizzas in thirty days. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Is that, is that it? I thought we were getting That's more it. mileage we, that is. Hey, we answered it better. Can you find everything in Bubble Bobble that you eat in Bubble Bobble? Pie, martinis. Yes. We answered the question better. Because technically the curry can be made with beans or sausages okay. in Pokemon. So we did better than that by uh, saying the berries in Pokemon, which are you genuinely their own unique thing. The food in Monster Hunter is its own unique thing. We did good. We did Local boy makes good. Yeah, local boy does good. Does good. It makes good. Makes good. Okay, there you go. All right. Well, that's it. I think that's this, it for this CU podcast. Um, um, I, I guess I can say it by now that be, because it's going to be announced that the SoCal Retro Gaming Expo is going to be postponed due to the public health crisis. Yes, that's ongoing. That's the, to me the proper decision. I'm yeah. not sure when it's going to come back. So if if you were planning I going, this, if you're planning going and seeing Ian and I, uh, um, sorry about that, but. With all the wackiness going on right now, I mean, they, hell, they canceled the the, the the tennis tournament in California. They canceled South by Southwest. They canceled South by South by Southwest. That's, that's big. A, that's a, that's the whole town of, of Austin. Uh, I think Harvard just came out and said that no more no more classes at Harvard. Like you could, just online classes the rest of the semester. They're forcing kids to leave their dorms by I think like the end of this week. So they're the the point about this is to not to panic to make sure this doesn't get to the tipping point where people will be panicking that's why all this prevention stuff is happening because once you get to the tipping point of the propagation of a disease and then all bets are off you can't you can't clamp it down right that's why they're trying i mean all of italy's locked down so that yeah the entirety of italy is locked down all of a country a major country is locked down because because it it's it really grew within a few weeks it went from like 20 people to like thousands having uh, this COVID-19 uh, virus. So, um, yeah, it's bad, obviously, but hopefully we get through it, and hopefully flu season is done, hopefully within uh, like five, six weeks when it gets warmer everywhere, and we'll be out of it for this uh, season there. So, um, yeah, that's one thing I can say about that. Hopefully. So, Purell, you know, is good. Wash your hands. If you're sick, you know, just feel free to stay home from work. Sneeze into your your elbow or into your your sweatshirt. Uh, don't use your bare hands to take ice out of Pat's freezer. 
Um, and, and those are that's my that's my pieces of advice. I'm just going to use my mouth to suck the yes. ice cubes up, and then I'm going to spit them into my my glass. You might as well be fucking doing that when you're using your hands. It's the same germs. Anyways, for me, for I'm Pat Conley. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.